Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. What a privilege to be able to come and to speak this morning. I feel very, very honored to be a part of the speaking team here at uh, River Valley. And uh, just what a joy to uh, open the word and to share that with you. Uh, Last week, we started this two-part series on prayer. And uh, Pastor Zach did a phenomenal job, did he not? Uh, just really unpacking that understanding of what Mary went through and persisting through disappointment and after disappointment, really. And uh, as the scripture says, her, her heart, her soul was pierced with a sword. And, you know, sometimes prayer is very much like that. It is not an easy journey. It's, it takes persistence. It's a trial. And really, that's kind of the the topic of this two-part series is persistence in prayer, and I'm going to continue doing that with you. How many of you feel like you pray as much as you should? Okay, we don't have too many hands going here. That's kind of one of those questions like we're all thinking, oh, I should do more. How many of you think God could do a better job of answering prayer quicker? Okay, we've got a few that are honest here. The rest of you are liars, Okay. <laughs> Uh, because we've all been frustrated that God takes as long as He does to answer prayer, don't we? A lot of the reasons that we we don't pray, uh, we don't pray. Uh, well, maybe you can help me with that. How, what? Re, why don't we pray more? Well, just go ahead. Lazy. Oh my goodness. Self-absorbed. Distracted. Busy. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy, won't he? Okay. So a lot of reasons uh, for that and obstacles. Um, I think you've listed most of them. But I think one of them is we don't believe that prayer really makes a difference. That's kind of painful to, to swallow that. But you and I both know when we are taking on any kind of endeavor that we absolutely know is going to have results, it's not hard to be motivated, right? But when there is extended time, when there's wait, when there is not immediate results, it's harder. Unfortunately, we're microwave Christians serving a crockpot God, yeah? And so it's like there's a disconnect there. I'm saying, God, what's, what's going on? But I just want to talk about, uh, to begin to begin with, just some fundamentals about why we should pray. Now, Bob and I were talking uh, on Friday, and they said, well, why should we pray? He said, well, because God said so. Okay, well, that's a, that's a pretty solid reason. But uh, sometimes there's inquisitive minds like myself that says, but I, I, I really want to understand why that we need to pray at all. We've got this all-powerful God who knows everything. Nothing escapes his notice. I mean, why not just cut out the middleman? You know, I mean, why do we need to engage at all? But the fact is, our prayer makes an eternal difference. And our lack of prayer also makes an eternal difference. 
That's kind of a sobering thing, kind of a scary thing when you think about that. But again, why is it? No, number one, God has given us domain over the earth. He said to Adam and Eve, rule over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and everything that creeps on the earth. That was not just a physical gardening responsibility, but included the spiritual realm, which is just as real as the physical realm, that we have responsibility in doing that. Now, it's like we have been giving... Uh, a rental contract. We've been given an uh, opportunity to manage something. It, we don't own it. It says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But we have been given responsibility. Now, I don't know how many of you have rental properties or if you are a renter, but you know that there's an agreement that goes along with that. As an owner, you can't just walk in the door anytime you want. You actually have to ask permission from those who are renting from you because you have given them a lease, you've given them an agreement that they can have that as their domain as long as they're current on their rent. And so God has given us that agreement and he is waiting for us to ask and he will not just step and do it. John Wesley said this, he says, God does nothing except in answer to believing prayer. Isn't that kind of sobering? We're, we're saying, God, look at this world we're living in. Look at all the craziness. Look at the things that are happening. Look at all this injustice. Why don't you do something? And I think God says, why don't you? Why don't you ask? Why don't you release me to come in and to intervene in the situations that are around you? The second thing is the battle is real. Again, it's hard for us to, to wrap our minds around this thing of having an infinite sovereign God that would have obstacles. Why isn't God's will done perfectly on the earth? Well, the battle is real, and there's much that we could unpack and talk about that, but there's a real devil and there's real spiritual warfare and there is a, a, a battle that goes on for that to happen. In Daniel chapter 10, and, and beginning with verse 12, we just see one little sliver, uh, a little peep through the fence, as it were, to see kind of what is going on in the spiritual realm. It's a real battle. He said uh, Daniel had been seeking God about the future, and what was happening, what was coming. And uh, after he had prayed for three weeks... An angel shows up, and this is what the angel says. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your requests have been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the, prince, uh, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, can you just kind of imagine this scenario going on? Okay, we've got this warring, powerful angel, Gabriel, and yet he is resisted. 
he is hindered, he's actually stopped in his tracks by a stronghold of the prince of Persia. So there is something real going on. He has to, to bring in another archangel, Michael, to push him back so he could continue on his way to deliver the message. Isn't that phenomenal? That just gives us a little bit of a window of the reality of the battle that we face. We want it to be kind of quick and easy, don't we? We just want it to happen. Say, well, I ask, let it be. Uh, again, that microwave mentality. But it takes more than that. Well, I want us to look uh, in Luke's gospel, uh, chapter uh, 18 and in verses 1 through 8. Let's stand together for God's word. This is kind of a, a key text of what I want to uh, share from today. And uh, I'm going to read this and you can follow along. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city and he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give you justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Lord, we just ask this morning that you would come by your Holy Spirit. Bring revelational understanding to our hearts. Lord, a, a revelation that would bring transformation, that would move us to pray, to pray and to prayer like we've never prayed before. Lord, I, I just thank you for your grace that's able to change us from the inside out and is able to change our motivations, to change our drive, to bring that inspiration that would cause us to persist in prayer. And Lord, I just thank you again for your word and for your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I think there's so much about this parable that is, is kind of confusing. I, I really sometimes say, Jesus, really? Is this how you're going to explain this thing, a persistent prayer? This seems just so not to fit <laughs> in many ways. But the Holy Spirit knew exactly what he's talking about. But I think for us, if we can key in on that last verse, we'll get a gist of what he was really trying to say out of this. He says, however, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Remember I just said the reason we don't pray, one of the main reasons 
is because we don't believe that it really makes a difference. Now, the Holy Spirit has a, a, a way and means committee to able to do that in us. And so he is, even today, I think he's stirring something in us to cause us to pray. But there's something about a faith-based prayer that makes a difference. In fact, Jesus said, don't be like the religious Pharisees that are just uh, saying by their many words that they're going to be heard. But there's something about deep conviction about a belief that says, God, you said it, and I believe it. And we are going to continue to press in until your will is accomplished. Now, there, number four, it seems like there is an aspect of accumulated prayer. Uh, again, we like to say, okay, I'm, I prayed once, uh, just let's get it done. But it seems like there's, there's this thing of accumulated prayer that tips the scales, even as Daniel. Daniel continued to fast and to pray for those 21 days until the breakthrough came. What would have happened if uh, about halfway through Daniel says, well, I guess God didn't want to answer this prayer. We don't know exactly what happened in the spiritual realm if that was the case, but it makes it clear that there is a battle. But here in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Isn't that interesting that God saves our prayers? It's like there's this, this accumulation in these golden bowls of prayer. Again, it's hard for us to translate the physical to the spiritual and how this all operates. But uh, there's, there's those who believe that there takes a bowl of prayer to be filled and to spill over for things to begin to happen on the earth, especially when there are great strongholds and great resistance, like in Daniel's case, the prince of Persia. There's princes over regions and over situations that need to be pressed through in prayer. And so it seemed like there's an accumulation. A story about this is uh, a man by the name of Dutch Sheets. Some of you may have heard of Dutch Sheets. He's been a prayer leader in our nation uh, and around the world for 40 plus years. And when he was early in his ministry, he had a lady come to him and says, do you believe in prayer and that God heals? He said, well, yeah, absolutely, of course. I believe. So, well, would you come and pray for my sister? And he says, sure, I'd, I'd be glad to do. It was about 20 miles away, and so it took a little bit of effort to go. And, and so he went to the facility where uh, her sister was at and, you know, expecting to lay hands and pray for her. But he got in there, and he finds that she is in a vegetative state. And she'd been that way for a long time. And, I mean, she uh, had, you know, no response, nothing. You know, I thought, whoa, this is a little uh, steeper curve of prayer than I thought. But so he spent about an hour there just praying over her and, and uh, just speaking the word of God in, in faith, believing. And, uh, and so he finished his job, as it were, and he went on his way. And the Lord said to him, I want you to pray for her every week. I want you to come once a week and pray over her until she is healed. Whoa. 
And so, you know, not looking like a lot of hope there, not looking like a lot of possibility, uh, but he did. He went there every single week, and he'd spend um, 45, 50 minutes, an hour, just praying over her, believing, you know, uh, making declarations over her and praying, and nothing happened. For an entire year, he went and prayed every week, traveling that 20 miles, taking him, you know, a couple hours out of his week to pray over this lady. And then he, got, he gets a call just a little after a year of praying, and uh, the sister again was calling, and she says, uh, my sister's taking a turn for the worse, and it looks like we're going to have to pull the plug and, uh, and let her go. And would you come just one more time and pray? Now, can you imagine? You've, you've went over there 55 times or so, and you have prayed, and you have seen nothing. You have seen zero uh, improvement, and you have prayed your heart out, and you've believed. He says, yeah, I'll go. And he went back, and he prayed for her. And as he's praying for her, her eyes open, and God completely healed her. Boom! It's like, wow! He said, that set something in my heart about this idea of persistent prayer. Was God able to heal her the first time? Well, of course he could have. But we don't understand the background. We don't understand what's behind that. We don't understand what's going on. And sometimes our lack of understanding causes us to just simply to give up and to move on. But, but God is, is wanting to raise up prayer warriors in our day. I'm telling you, this is a time for men and women to pray like no other time is a time that we need to pray. We look at, again, our culture, what's happening in our, in our nation, in our situation, what's happening around the world, and it is a time for God's people to enter in and to pray, but it's going to take persistent prayer. It's going to take faith that is deeply born out of a revelation of the goodness of God and the power of prayer and Him wanting to use us to make a difference in our world. There's a uh, scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14 that many of you could quote by heart. But, but just listen to it again. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. How many of you like to see a healing in our land? Amen? We'd like to see God. Well, it's a very simple formula that he's given here. He just said these, these things. He says, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, and I will hear. Now, he didn't put a time frame on that, did he? But he said, if you will pray... I will hear and I will answer. Now, that scripture does not just apply to the nation of Israel. It was spoken about the nation of Israel, but it applies to people of all generations. People who are living in their country, whatever it might be, whatever nation that they are a part of, we are responsible for the nation that we are a part of to pray and to believe that God wants to bring change and revelation. And, and we could look back. I, I just did some, uh, some reminding study of all the ways that God has moved uh, in the world over the last couple hundred years and great uh, awakening and revival and moves of God. And they were all uh, begun through prayer. 
Every single one of them, people were getting desperate. They saw that things were going uh, crazy around them, that people had no interest in God. They had no interest in eternity. They were completely preoccupied, and they were deceived by the current thinking and the philosophy of the day, and they began to seek God, and they began to pray. Some of you know who Lauren Cunningham is. He is uh, the founder of Youth of the Mission, and who Dr. Bill Bright uh, and Vonette, uh, who were the founders of Campus Crusade for Christ. I think it's now uh, Crew. Uh, it's a campus ministry, international campus ministry. Uh, they were friends. Uh, um, uh, Dr. Bill Bright has went on to be with the Lord. But uh, they were uh, going to have dinner together later that week. And as uh, Lauren was in prayer, the Lord just showed him this picture of how you can make an influence in a nation, how you can disciple a nation. Because if you know who Lauren Cunningham, he was all about the Great Commission and, and the discipling the nations. And the Lord spoke to him. He says, well, there's, there's seven areas that you need to, to focus on. And uh, those seven, I think, are up on the, the screen there. First of all, the family. The family is the foundation of all society, but it needs to have prayer over marriages, over children, over uh, raising children dis and discipling them and training them. It's, it's a very, very part, important part of uh, what builds a culture and a society. Secondly, the church. Uh, how many of you know the church could use some prayer right now? Uh, you look across America and, and the number of people who call themselves Christians and the, and the maybe lack of influence or godly good influence that they have. And you say, yeah, the church needs prayer, but it's a, it's a, a major piece of what builds a healthy and a godly society. Uh, third, business and commerce. I mean, if you know that businessmen can make a huge difference in how they do business and how they treat their employees and how they uh, conduct themselves in an ethical and a godly way makes a huge difference. Uh, the government is another piece that God has laid out that would bring order. And, 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 and Paul talks to Timothy about how we should pray for those who are in authority, that we would live godly and peaceful lives in all sincerity. Uh, arts and entertainment. Uh, how many of you know that uh, Hollywood has an influence on our culture? And, and so arts and entertainment is a huge area that needs to be prayed into and, uh, and, and believing God for. How about the media? Yeah, the media can completely deceive a nation. If there's only one perspective that is, is shared, if it's not true or if it's half true, it has great, great influence. And the, and the media has kind of been the fourth branch of government to be able to, to expose and to bring things to light and to, and to bring justice. Uh, education. Uh, education is such a, a formative part, even as we celebrated the graduation of our seniors today. Uh, ed education is a key for people to, to live free and to be able to do that. And so he was so excited about sharing this with Dr. Bright. And uh, they sat down for dinner. And before he could even share, uh, Dr. Bill Bright said, Hey, Lauren, I got to tell you about what God showed me this week. And he says, There's seven uh, mind-molding uh, 
influences that can happen in a nation. And he lists the exact same seven. And, and Lauren, a little bit, <laughs> deflated. He says, hey, I wanted to share that because God had spoken that to me. And over a, a period of time, a very short period of time, there was others that independently God spoke the same thing to. Well, those are things that we can pray into. And as we pray into them, they are going to make a huge difference in the world we live. I just want to give just a, a few minutes to talk about just our nation's story. Because uh, even though there's a tremendous push right now to rewrite history and to, to write God out of our history, our nation was founded by godly men and women who knew God and knew how to pray. Uh, John Winthrop was part of the, the uh, Plymouth uh, colony that was in Massachusetts, and he was a godly man. He was the governor for about 12 years uh, there in, in Massachusetts, and, and he made a covenant before God that, that this nation would be a, a, a city set on a hill, a light to the world. And they, these people that were coming from England, they were escaping uh, religious persecution. They wanted the freedom to be able to worship God. And so it was in the forefront of what they were thinking. I just recently found out that uh, both my, um, on, the pater on the paternal side, my dad's grandmother, uh, dad's mom and, and dad actually, my grandmother and grandfather, uh, that their descendants trace back to 1626, it was my grandmother's relatives, in 1646, uh, James Enos, great-grandfather the seven times, <laughs> were in America. So they were a part of this, and they kind of brought excitement to me about that. But as they uh, made that as, as uh, that covenant before God and that desire to make it to glorify God, it, it wasn't, you know, 30, 40 years later and, and, and 50 years later, and things had walked away from that. And just like we see with the children of Israel, it's so easy to walk away from that godly heritage. And, and there became a, a stirring in the early 18th century. There was men who were, were praying, men and women that were praying and believing and seeking God and saying, God, we need your help. And there had been some physical calamities and things that were not going well. And they noticed that they were not experiencing God's favor. And so they began to seek God and to pray. And out of that really came the first great awakening. And so those, uh, there was about 30 years before our nation became a nation uh, that this prayer level that began to raise the, the spiritual level and people became interested again in God and their distractions were put aside and it, it was what laid the foundation for our nation to be our nation. And we take for granted this, this self-governing nation that we the people, but that was really a new concept and a new understanding, but there had to be groundwork laid in order for people to be willing and able to take on that responsibility of self-government. And they, these people that were uh, preaching then, George Whitfield and, and others, uh, Jonathan Edwards, they had audience with the president. They had audience with the Congress. They, they uh, were, were telling them how much that they needed this godly foundation. And it was out of that that our nation was born. 
And when they eventually went to war with, with England, uh, it, it was bathed in prayer. They believed God and for God's favor because they had no chance. This ragtag band of colonists, uh, they were ill-equipped. They didn't have weapons. They weren't trained. They were coming against the world's number one power. And they had all of the military uh, you know, training as well as resources. And it was, there wasn't a chance in a very hot place for them to be able to be victorious in that situation. And you read about that, the stories of even General George Washington having multiple bullets in his coat, but never harmed. And, and they said that he was, he was completely uh, unable to be killed. They, they came to that conclusion. But that was because of prayer, daily prayer, that the highest offices in our land were having to God. Did you know that? Many of us not, did not even hear about that. In fact, General Washington, he commissioned this flag, Appeal to Heaven, and it was flown on all of the colonial ships. And that tree represents covenant. And they referred back to this covenant that Jonathan Withrow had said that we will be a city set on a hill. And they prayed daily, and it was called the Appeal to Heaven flag. And, and, and so um, by 17... Well, of course, 1776, our, we declared our independence, but, but only just a, a few years later, by, by 1787, things were falling apart, and the, the, the colonies were going their separate ways, and, and things were, they realized we need to have a central government, we need to have something that we can abide by, and so they convened the Continental Congress. A constitutional Congress to be able to figure this thing out. And so our forefathers, they gathered, closed in, in and said, we are going to figure this out of having a uh, kind of a government that can promote freedom, that won't step on uh, religious liberty, will allow people to have free speech, to allow them to be able to prosper. And, and they, they sought all their wisdom. Well, in about four or five weeks, they had made no progress. They just, they were just completely divided and they, they couldn't come together. And it's so interesting that Benjamin Franklin, who is probably um, as far from a Christian as the founding fathers were. I mean, he was a God-fearing man, but he was certainly not uh, an evangelical Christian, as we would say today. But he uh, recognized the situation that, he, that they were in, and he gave this speech. Let me just get So I projected up here so you can follow along. It's, it's a little bit long, but I think it's, it's worth hearing the heart and the cry of this man realizing the need of persistent prayer. He says, the small progress we have made four or five weeks of close attendance and continual meetings with each other, our different sediments on almost every question Several of the last producing as many no's as a's, and methinks a melancholy proof of the imperfection of the human understanding. We indeed seem to feel our own want of political wisdom, since we have been running about in search of it. We have gone back to ancient history for models of government, examined the different forms of, these, of those republics, which having been formed with the seeds of their own disillusion, 
now no longer exist. And we have viewed the modern states all around Europe, but find none of their constitutions suitable to our, situa- our circumstances. In this situation of this assembly, groping as it were in the dark to find political truth and scarce able to distinguish it when, we, when presented to us, how has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying to the Father of lights to illuminate our understanding. In the beginning of the the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayer in this room for divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequently instances of superintending providence in our favor. You could say miracles. <laughs> and like I said, we, we, we are sometimes ignorant of how miraculous it was that they were able to uh, engage with this professional uh, military and to overcome. And, and there's so many stories that go along with that. But he goes on to, with here. He says, to that kind of providence... We owe happy opportunity of consulting in peace. It's the hardest time, right? Praying in peace is the hardest time. He says, we have the opportunity of consulting in peace on the means of establishing our future national felicity. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend? Or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sir. And long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. So powerful. Anyway, I get a grip. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable an empire can rise without his aid. We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided by our little partial local interests, Our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves should become a reproach and a byword down to future age. And what is worse, mankind may hereafter, from this unfortunate instance, despair of establishing governments by human wisdom and leave it to chance to war and conquest. I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business and that one or more of the clergy of this city be requested to officiate in that service. And we know the rest of the story. Then the next three months, just three more months, they brought together the constitution that we now have that has endured this 236 years since that time. And that was birthed 
in prayer. That was the wisdom of God that he supernaturally gave to these people. And that is the foundation that we were built upon, but that we have to maintain so that we would continue to take that responsibility to pray and to seek God. Our, our uh, democracy, our republic democracy was, was designed that we the people would be responsible, that we would be involved. And the most important place we can be involved is to pray and to pray for our nation and pray for our leaders and pray that God would intervene and bring justice where there's injustice. This is what S.D. Gordon said. He says, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you pray. We have to remind ourselves that that's where the battle lies. But we need to understand that God cares about nations. When it comes to praying for our nation, there's many that would poo-poo. Oh, that's just, you know, Christian nationalism. Let me tell you, God is into nations. God loves nations. He designed them to be able to do it. And when he spoke to Abraham, he said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Uh, when he gave uh, the Great Commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And uh, Revelation 22 talks about the leaves of the tree growing up along the river for the healing of the nations. Almost 600 times in Scripture that is applied. The, the, the word nation or nations is used in Scripture. God uses nations to be able to glorify himself and to work through. And so the enemy would try to use apathy and indifference, saying, well, you know, it doesn't matter. We're just, whatever it's going to be is going to be. Uh, and he would, as has as, uh, been said, he would get us focused on personal issues. He would get us uh, into believing that God didn't really care about history and about where nations are going. He would get us disillusioned with politics and, and thinking that we can't make a difference. Uh, he would give us an eschatology that gives way to feudalism, I, you know, that the idea, well, the, it's going to get worse and worse, so hallelujah, it's just Jesus is coming, so let it happen. That is, that is so irresponsible, that's so ungodly, but he has, he has called us to partner with him to, to allow his will to be done. Jesus said this, just pray that my will is done on earth as it is in heaven, except in the last days. Oh, I don't think he added that. Okay, so... This, this message about prayer is that we would be prepared really for these times that we live in. Uh, the men of Issachar, they knew the times that they lived, and they were prepared, prepared to act. And that's what God wants us to be, to prepare to act. And I, and I say that, first of all, is in prayer. We need to be praying for our nation and, and praying for our leaders and, and really building up our, our spiritual prayer muscles, as it were. Uh, we look around the world that it's just, it's, it's crazy beyond belief and the things that are being decided and the things that people are coming up with, you're just thinking that have people completely lost their minds. It, I mean, this is, this is completely uh, uh, crazy. And so coming back to our passage about the unjust judge, he says, how much more? Well, your father. This is a how much more paragraph, uh, parable. He is not comparing God to an unjust judge. He's not comparing him to someone who is reluctant or doesn't desire to act. 
No, he's saying, you have got this perfectly loving Father who longs to act for you. He's simply waiting for you to ask, how much more is it going to happen? If you've got a guy who doesn't even give a rip, and he will finally give in just because he doesn't want to be driven crazy, how about a father who is completely on your side, completely wanting to do what you want? Would we not pray? Would we not ask him to do that? Another passage of Scripture in Luke 11 is another story about a, the, the friend at midnight. Let's just read that and... Uh, I'll read it and you listen, okay? Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. Now, that is what God wants to stir in us, a shameless audacity when it comes to prayer. But Pastor Zach, he laid this out last week, and he talked about this was a, a place of covenant. He was talking about Mar uh, Mary and, and Joseph not having a place to stay, which was just completely crazy in that world, because in, in, in the East there, and during those times especially, there was a covenantal understanding that if somebody came and they wanted uh, to stay with you, not only would you say, yes, welcome, come on in, but we'll make you dinner. It doesn't matter the time. It doesn't matter the inconvenience. If you didn't do that in that culture, it was completely shameful. And, and you, your whole family would be shamed for not doing that. So here we, we see really Jesus uh, pulling from that revelation, that understanding that they very well knew. In our culture, it doesn't really work that way. It's like, hey, there's a motel. You can go find that motel and enjoy yourself and uh, don't call us too early in the morning, you know. Uh, but that's not the thinking and the mentality of that culture. For us, it would be more like this, okay? You're a young couple. You have some young children, and uh, uh, your husband has a heart attack in the middle of the night. And you have some neighbors next door. Not, they're not just neighbors, but they're good friends. People that you've done life with and that you've shared stories and you've raised your kids with them. And so you call them on the phone and say, hey, uh, Margaret, uh, do you think you could come over and watch the kids? I need to rush my husband to the hospital. He's having a heart attack. And if you could just watch them tonight, uh, I would really appreciate that. Can you imagine a good friend saying, ah, I need my beauty rest? No, I, that, that'd be just inconvenient. No, we, we can't. I mean, you need new friends if you've got a friend like that. I mean, if friends like that, who needs enemies? And so this is another how much more. Can you just imagine some friend doing this? No, we can't even imagine having a friend that would do that. Well, then put that up next to a perfectly loving heavenly father and says, would you be audacious in your prayer? Would you pursue? Would you press in? Would you not take no for an answer? Yeah. You see, when you have that revelation, that understanding of the goodness of God, you will press in. You see, God is wanting to bring another great awakening. I absolutely believe that. I reject the theology that says it's going to go from bad to worse, and then the church is going to sneak out here whimpering, crying, and, and wanting Jesus to save them. That is not a kingdom perspective. That is not a kingdom perspective. 
Jesus is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so, but God is looking for people to pray. And just as we had the first great awakening and the second great awakening, and we had the Azusa Street revival and the Wales revival, and we had the Jesus revolution, those things, those were birthed in prayer. And church, we need one. We need a movement of God that not only sees thousands of people saved, but it's something that changes cultures. That like it was in Wales, they had to to uh, give the, the police officers something else to do. So they, they made bands out. They had musical bands because they had nobody to arrest. They gave judges white gloves because they had no cases to try. Isn't that a problem? But that's what happens when people pray. And I believe that we're, we're right in that place. I mean, it's happening all over the world right now. There's Millions of people coming to Christ in Iraq and Iran and China in these places of persecution. We're seeing more people come to Jesus every day right now than any time in history. So it's not as if God is not doing anything. But don't you want him to do it here? Don't you want him to see him raise up a move of God here? And it's because we get audacious and we begin to pray. But there's some things we can do just in closing um, you've been waiting for that word, right? Uh, just, just a couple things that we can just practically help build that faith muscle. First of all, we need to ask God to show us the source of our unbelief. You just need to get honest with God. Say, okay, God, I think that I believe in prayer. I think I trust you. But there's obviously a problem because I'm not praying the way I think I should be praying. So just give Jesus an opportunity. Say, hey, what's the source? And as he shows that to you, then you can simply say, Lord, you're right. Change me. Take away that lie. Take away that unbelief. Take away that and, and make me a man or woman of prayer. Secondly, we need to press in to know the ways of God. You see, we, we, we kind of, again, uh, assume a lot of things that are not true. And we don't think that there's a process and kind of rules that make things happen. Uh, playing chutes and ladders with your grandchildren when they're real small is really a challenge because they get to the, to the slide, you know, they're going all the way down from the top to the bottom. Uh-uh, no, we're just going to move, we're just going to change the rules. But we do that in prayer. We think, well, God, I said it, just do it, forget whatever's in the background. No, it doesn't work that way. It's a reality. So I need to learn about the ways of God and learn to uh, figure out what that's all about and when we do, we will persist in prayer. And we need to persist until God says, stop praying. That doesn't happen very often. My mom, she turned 100 a couple weeks ago, and she had been asking the Lord, says, Lord, just take me home. And the Lord says, stop praying that. But that's a pretty unusual situation. And so until he says stop praying it, we need to have this audacity to continue to pray, continue to ask, continue to press in to see what God would do. Number three, ask God to give you a heart to pray. You know, when God just does that inside of you, it's amazing what happens. You know, I'd heard about Martin Luther, and Martin Luther was a great man of prayer. In fact, he made this statement. He says, I am such a busy man, and I have so much to do that if I don't spend the first five hours in prayer, I'd never get it all done. I mean, I just thought about that. I said, oh, 
God, I'll never be a prayer warrior. I'll never make a difference. And the Lord just spoke to me very clearly. and says, you're confusing the cause and the effect. You see, the cause wasn't that Martin Luther was a great man. It wasn't because he was a, uh, just a disciplined man. It was the Spirit of God moving on his heart to cause him to pray. And the effect was it changed the whole world. And we, we saw the, the Protestant Reformation that uh, swept the world and, and changed uh, Christendom. But it was as God began working in his heart. So we invite God and say, God, do that work in my, in my heart. And then the fourth one is grow in your understanding of prayer. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to, to be able to do that. Um, but there's, there's just unlimited books out there on prayer. There's, there's podcasts, there's uh, prayer calls that you can, you can be a part of, or uh, pray with somebody that really knows how to press in. Get, get with Jennifer, okay? Jennifer Jolith, if you want to learn to pray, just pray with that lady. I tell you, she'll stir prayer in your heart. But I mean, there's, there's, I'm picking on Jennifer, there's others here. You know, I appreciate Pastor Tim and just the leadership that he gives to our church and making prayer such an important part of what, what's happening here and in all, every mission adventure and everything. It's a great model. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for that model to us to pray. But, but get with people. Uh, just some prayer resources. Uh, this Dutch Sheets has, uh, uh, it says, the essential guide to prayer. It's, just, it's a foundational thing. But if you're really wanting to just kind of dig in, that would be a good place to start. Uh, there's another book, um, The Courts of Heaven. Actually, there's a whole series of books on that by Robert Henderson. And uh, that, that would be another. And that's just, again, there's so many more different uh, books and resources in prayer that that you can be a part of. There's a, uh, a podcast, uh, Give Him 15, that Dutch does every day, uh, five days a week. And I, I listen to it every single day because it encourages me to pray and to make those declarations. But we have so many resources. And if we are going to see God work, it's going to be because we become people of prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for your ways. Thank you, Father, that you're all wise and you're perfect in wisdom. And, Father, the way that you laid all of this out, we, we don't fully understand. It's a mystery. Prayer is often a mystery. And, and somehow you work so quickly. And sometimes we have to wait so long. But, Lord, we want to learn your ways. So, Father, I pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and how that we can pray. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a, a desire to pray like we've never prayed before. Lord, I pray that every news uh, cycle we see and every situation we hear about, we would not despair, but, Lord, that we would pray and that we would believe that, God, you have brought those things to our attention, that, Lord, we can press in in prayer, believing you can change that, Lord. Lord, thank you again for your word. Lord, let it sink deep into our hearts today, I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.